Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to episode number 34 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode for the month of May 2011, and the Daikaiju discussion-specific episode for Godzilla 1985. We had a pretty good showing here at the Kaiju Cast HQ, and we'll be playing the audio from that later when reading some of your homework submissions over the next hour. But like I do every month here, we're playing a few songs to kick this into high gear, starting with a request from Sean for the main titles of Daikaiju Varan. Thank you. 
ぞどこでも正義のためだ広い海原荒波へって目指すは悪い怪獣だでっかい体にでっかい声今日も戦う僕らのゴジラ頑張れ頑張れ僕らのゴジラ頑張れ頑張れ僕らのゴジラ行くぞどこでも仲間のためだ広い小屋にサージンをあげて目指すは悪い怪獣だでっかい口から放射能「いつも戦う僕らのゴジラ」「がんばれがんばれ僕らのゴジラ」「がんばれがんばれ僕らのゴジラ」どこでも平和のためだ広い世界を駆け巡り目指すは悪い怪獣だでっかい体に可愛い目玉明日も戦う僕らのゴジラ頑張れ頑張れ僕らのゴジラ頑張れ頑張れ僕らのゴジラ For those who pay attention during those musical interludes, we kicked off the show with uh, the main titles from Varan by Akira Ifukube and followed that up with Raging Mad Godzilla by Ko Otani from uh, Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra Giant Monsters All Out Attack and then played the ending song from Godzilla vs. Gigan for Cameron and uh, Cameron, I hope I played the actual song you wanted to hear. We'll have one more request to play at the end of the episode, but once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listener with watching that film and submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, guaranteeing that this podcast is just going to continue for a long, long time. This month, the subjects of our focus are the 1984 and 1985 Godzilla films, um, Godzilla and Godzilla 1985. Now, I've always referred to this film 
as Godzilla 1985, just because that's what most people seem to call it when I when I talk to them. Just a few factoids before we begin. This was the first film of what fans have dubbed the Heisei era, and Tomoyuki Tanaka decided to reintroduce Godzilla to the Japanese and then America. New World Pictures got a hold of the film, and somewhat like the 1956 version of Gojira, that became known as Godzilla King of the Monsters. New scenes were shot with veteran American actor Raymond Burr reprising his role as Steve Martin. No relation to the comedian and actor of the same name, of course. We actually watched both the Japanese and the American version in one night, which is uh, why some people sound a little tired. It was very interesting and a very cool little experiment. I don't think we'll be doing it again just because it's... um. It's, it's not really that fun to watch the exact same movie or the nearly the same movie over and over again. Without further ado, let's go ahead and hear what happened here in the headquarters. So this has been a super long night for, uh, for everybody here, especially Martin, because we just finished watching both the Japanese and the American version of Godzilla 1985 or 1984. Not really sure how to classify that for myself, but uh, I'm sitting here with Cindy Martin, Tiger, Heather, and Justin, and we're going to sit uh, sit around and shoot the breeze about this film. First impressions, Martin, what did you think about uh, these movies? And feel free to talk about either one of them, but just make sure you sort of preface which one you're talking about beforehand. Uh, I liked them both quite a bit. Uh, I really enjoyed this Godzilla movie, and I have to say I was really startled how much of the original was chopped out for the American hybridized parts that were put into it i thought they trimmed a lot um out that w- that was well trimmed like i, I didn't see the anything that was, was much better yeah, yeah there were there were a couple shots where in the japanese version i specifically noted that uh there was a shot of godzilla where he's just basically standing there and the, and the camera pans over and you see the super x and then the japanese in the american version they cut that whole thing with godzilla godzilla just standing there out of the film and just had super X. I thought that was like just a good example of good editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the showdown with Godzilla and, and super X goes a lot faster and there is, there's a whole moment where nothing goes on. We actually see a lot of the camera looking at those two and the cameras looking, we're seeing it from the monitors uh, and all of that. And there's nothing, there's all this other exposition that's going on and nothing happens. And then Godzilla eventually falls into the building when being shot. But the American version happens a lot faster. Yeah. And they cut out a bunch of other stuff too, like dialogue and so forth. What about you, Cindy? What were your first impressions of this film? Obviously you've seen this before. I've seen both versions before. I hadn't actually seen the American one for quite a while. Well, it's technically not available on the DVD, so it's hard to come by. Well, and I I definitely agree with Martin that they cut a lot out of the Japanese version when they went to the American edition. It, it should also be noted that this time Martin has seen this film before. This is not his first time seeing the uh, the film. The Japanese version was one of the first things he watched over at the new HQ. Which one do you like better? I I'm still a little bit preferential to the Japanese version. But I did find the American version, the pacing was better. Though I'm not sure exactly how much the American scenes added to the basic storyline. Oh, I I think the only thing that the American scenes added to the storyline was just giving Raymond Burr a good purpose to yeah. be in the in the movie, which isn't a bad thing. I actually thought Raymond Burr was good. Very intense, as Heather pointed out during the movie. But uh, 
everything else about the American insertion scenes was pretty terrible. Um, Heather, did you want to tell everybody what you thought about the film, first impressions? Well, I have not seen either of these, and um, I... I think I I think I like the Japanese version better. I I agree with every I think everyone in the room that the pacing in the American movie is definitely better or at least more to my liking as far as going to a movie, but maybe that's maybe that's the American in me. Um but I didn't feel like the American scenes added anything except, you know, white people on the screen for white people to go and look at when they were at the movies. So that seemed to be the the benefit there was white people will come see white people. Yeah, I'd actually like to see this movie without the the American version, but without the um, American scenes inserted into it. I know they have to cut a lot out of the movie in order to fit that stuff in there and make it the 90 minutes. But that would then rob you of the deliciousness of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. Um, um, no, I uh, I think that they I think that they simplified I think they simplified a lot of the Japanese storyline. I think there was a lot of kind of back and forth and back and forth that kind of transpired with the you know with the Japanese story to get us to where we needed to be. That they just kind of changed. You know, I mean, what was it our our initial uh, meeting between the reporter and the uh professor scientist where he's you know in the japanese version he's talking about that he's studying you know fruit flies for genetic changes and what have you and then oh like genetic changes like godzilla and they just changed that to you know never mind the fruit flies he's just he's just studying genetic changes that's you know you don't need to say that he's studying fruit flies you can see the fruit flies. He holds them up, you know. So that's sort of unnecessary things that that were in there that were sort of self-explanatory. Like in the Japanese version, actually, they show us a lot of, you know, signage and, you know, the the name of a building outside the building before we go into the building, like the newspaper and and all that. And it's like we don't actually need to know that that's the name of the newspaper. We can figure out that it's a newspaper and that's where he works and. You know, unless it plays a part later, which it didn't, yeah. then we don't really need to see that every time they go into a building. We don't need to see what building it is that they're going into. Yeah, I think that might be one of those things where for Japanese audiences, it might, you know, that might play a role based off of whether, you know, they know that location or that's a My real... Dad works there. Exactly, that's a real place. Or um, Justin, do you have any initial thoughts you want to share? Uh, well, I thought I thought we were going to be watching the Japanese version dubbed when I first came over here. I didn't really think that there was American versions of Godzilla movies. That that just seems silly to me. And Well, uh, there are only two, really. A, I mean, they're like Americanized versions with um, American scenes that were shot and put in. It's the original film, uh, which of course was Gojira in the Japanese titling, and then it was brought over to the States as Godzilla King of the Monsters, and that's where they shot new footage with Raymond Burr and inserted it into that film. And then this film is the is the only other one. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought the uh, the American one like everyone said was was better cut and uh it, it got straight to the point a lot quicker than the Japanese version. The Japanese version of course kind of lulled here and there and was a lot slower movie. 
I think it was a longer movie too. It was a hundred minutes versus ninety minutes. Yeah, the entire thing was a hundred, according to the notes I have, one hundred and one minutes versus right. ninety-one. Yeah. So uh, you know, and I and I think the the American version has that going for it. Um, I don't really know which one I like better. I don't typically watch the same movie once after the other. So yeah, do I. So so part of it could be that you know I saw the Japanese one first, and it was the first time I seen this movie. So I was a little more excited to be watching it than when the American version came on. All I could do was notice the you know, the different quality in the filming and then the the poor acting by a few of the Americans. And I was like, well, okay. So, <laughs> so, I, so I really don't know which one I like better, but I, 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 do, I, I do think the, the American one was much more peppy. Nice. Well, well played. <laughs> well played. So, Tiger, you, we haven't heard from you yet. Do you, ha- do you have any initial first impressions of this film? I know that you've seen the Japanese version before but I'm not sure if you've seen the American one. Um, this is true. I have never seen the... I've seen the first film a few times, but I've never seen the second one, which I thought was pretty cool. And I never knew that there was actually American scenes in that film, because when I heard, oh, this is very different, I thought maybe it's just a totally different story. Yeah, did Justin, did you think that it was actually a... Um did you think that it was a, a like a remake? Because you seemed shocked when we first started. Or uh, no, it was Heather. My yeah. bad. Oh, uh, well, I thought it was uh, the same exact same story, but from the American perspective. Because you know they they're not the ones who killed Godzilla. They they took out the missile, so we got to see that side of things. So that was kind of nice. Be interesting to see you know uh, some of the scenes cut down shorter like the Americans did. Maybe slap those American parts in there too and try to try to make a an. No, no, the American parts, and then try to make it, you know, a longer film that has you know, the American side of view and then a Japanese point of view. I didn't realize that it was just, you know, kind of America presents Godzilla with white dudes. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know quite what I I was expecting, but I I guess I was I was kind of expecting it to be a, a remake as opposed to just a uh, re. What do you Re-launch? call it? Relaunch. Relaunch. Re- I don't know reformatting yeah something to that effect so i i did not realize that that was what it was going to be um also somebody in the kaiju live tweets pointed out the fact that the uh the russian missile launch was very different in the american version yeah and that's yeah and that's true that was uh that was interesting to see the spin there on on how it happened yeah and obviously new world was trying to um hook into that whole Cold War fears that everybody had here in the Americas. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to what you liked about the film, since you're holding the microphone. What did you like about Godzilla 1985? Or as the Japanese would just call it, Godzilla, I guess, because it didn't have a secondary title, or although we call it Return of Godzilla, even though that's not really, that's not really the title. I'm going to go ahead and give you a sort of a like and dislike in the same okay in the same one here. It's just uh I thought some of the suit work was really great. Like I liked I liked some of the things that I saw a lot and some of the movement was was really fantastic. I mean, like the toppling into the building or there was that little stumble that may have been, you know, that we talked about the second yeah. time through that may have been accidental. Uh, but it it came across very nicely and seemed you know very natural because 
obviously Godzilla is having sort of a rough time shambling through the streets and and so I mean he would stumble you would imagine so and he you know, kind of grazes the building and scrapes across it and I thought that was really cool there's also I mean and they cut some of that out in the American one but there was a lot of just very unanimated very prone just I'm 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 just staying very still for the people who are listening to this that's the, right yeah you know it's just uh it, there was a Godzilla lot of not moving yeah there's a lot of not moving. moving and it seems like people are shooting things at you and planes and helicopters and super x and all this you'd think he'd be you know swinging his arms around or ducking his head to the side something or just and he's reacting just kind of, a little yeah, bit, yeah and there's and there's not a lot of reaction there so yeah actually i have a that's a that's kind of a beef i have with a lot of the godzilla movies not so much the ones that are in this um the series that this film started the heisei the heisei era of godzilla movies but in um in the and you guys probably heard me talk about this a little bit in the presentation that i did at Warner northwest but um this guy named masaki tezuka he did a series of Godzilla films in the, in the late 90s and uh, early 2000s, actually just 2000s, where Godzilla is great looking and he's a uh, great subject in the films. Justin, you saw Megaguirus. That was one of his films. But he does suffer from that same um, problem where Godzilla. he just kind of is sitting there for way too long. And if somebody's shooting something at him, it seems like he should have some sort of reaction. Right. I mean, even if it was sort of blasé, like, you know, your weapons have no effect on me. I mean, he could at, at least maybe kind of turn to them and, you know, maybe mock them in a in a manner that wasn't wasn't too hilarious there. You know, I mean, just just something. I mean, yeah, some kind of reaction. Yeah, because there's there's just so much of him just standing around that I was a little disappointed because, you know, I. I, I come to a giant movie, a giant monster movie to see a giant monster. And yeah, this is know, true. that's not a giant monster statue. Stiger, do you had something you wanted to say about what you liked about the film? As well as the story goes, um, this is not a, I like it because it's not a cheesy kids film. This is a very serious film. Which is a really good point because what we're experiencing here with this film is after an eight year break, the last film was Terror of Mechagodzilla, where Godzilla was, uh, I wouldn't say it's a kid's movie, but it's at the end of the 70s movies where they were definitely focused more on um, getting the attention of children. You know, we had Megalon and then uh, and then Mecha, the two Mechagodzilla films, and there's been an eight-year period where there have been no Godzilla films. And I should note that uh, there have been a number of potential attempts at this point uh, to resurrect Godzilla, but Toho was never successful in, in actually getting out there and starting to make a Godzilla film until this one came to pass. Martin, what, what, what would you have to say positive about this film? There's a lot of things that are positive about this film, actually. Um, I think the, the model work is really good, but especially the cityscape. Uh, the the cityscape is just amazing and and they lit it well um, it falls apart and crumbles well like those battle scenes are really really great Godzilla shoots the the uh, breath the atomic breath right through the building super X is on the other side like they're shooting each other through the hole in the building just a lot of really cool moments like that where they 
Um, and I actually wondered a few times how much of that city was was actual physical structure um, because there were some really big buildings that they had in there, you know, and they, so there was a lot of detail and design that went into it and it looked fantastic. Um, for the most part, I think the suit, the suits were, it appeared to me there was multiple suits. There was a suit that a person was in and then there was a suit that was animatronic. Yeah. There was the, the actual suit that Kimpachiro Sasuma was wearing. And then there was also the, uh, the Cybot Godzilla, which would, I believe it was 16 feet tall and uh, fully automated, mm-hmm. kind of like a very like a what you would see at Disney World if you saw, you know, an, yeah, an, uh, mechanical person. What's that? Would that be our very stationary Godzilla then? No, actually, I think the very stationary Godzilla was was actually uh, Satsuma in the suit. One of the things that I read as I was uh, doing a little bit of research on this film is that. The suit guy designed the suit in order to be Godzilla and not he did not design it for a person wearing the Godzilla suit. He basically took the dimensions of Satsuma or actually maybe even somebody else and and sort of put them on the wall and then did his Godzilla sculpture and then they cast bits off of that. And so Satsuma had problems moving around in it and that uh, that's probably why. Yeah, so the so the suit I thought looked really good, even if it didn't always move very well through everything. Um, and uh, you know, I I think they did a really good job of the story because a a lot of times I feel like there's not a lot of story and there's uh, not a lot of development. There's a lot of changes from one place to another that don't make sense or anything, and everything really kind of stayed together and made a lot of sense. And I. I I really have to say that I I appreciate Godzilla being the consequence of of you know humans failing to be good stewards of any kind and I I think that's a message that they try to kind of crowbar in at the end of things or they try to say that you know the other monsters are the result and thank goodness Godzilla was our hero in those but this one Godzilla is the is the result of of their mishaps and it's coming to to give you a, a good lesson um and I, I like that I, I really kind of appreciate that story and they don't you know they don't muddle it up in any way yeah so just uh to touch on a couple of things uh, you're talking about there with the the special effects work the they did spend a ton of time on making those miniatures of uh, of Tokyo and while the budget ended up being 6.25 million they uh they actually went over budget on it it was at the time it was the biggest budget Godzilla movie and i think maybe even the biggest budget japanese film that had ever been made um but the special effects director was um the guy same director from the last Godzilla films Nakano and uh, this is the first time he's ever had a big budget. I mean, I'm sure he was just like blown away at how much money they were willing to spend on this after having the budgets repeatedly slashed and slashed over all of the four seventies films or five seventies films. Cindy, what 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 do you like about this film? The suit, I especially like your first full shot of Godzilla, where they the camera starts at the feet and just slowly pans its way all the way up until you get a really good shot of the head and it just fills the entire screen. I can imagine what uh, being in a theater was like to see that, the Godzilla head just filling the screen. 
Well, I'm, I hope you can imagine yeah. what it was like. What's behind me here? It's a giant 10 <laughs> foot by six foot screen. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the Godzilla suit. And I mean, this is such a great, I, I don't have very much in the way of Godzilla uh, 1985 Godzilla merchandise in this room, but I do have one model kit that, and it, I love it very much. And like I said, this is my first Godzilla movie ever. It was the first one I ever saw, and, and I was in Japan. It was it was awesome. And I especially liked the soundtrack on the Japanese version. Yeah, well, I don't I don't know what they changed in the soundtrack for the American version, but Rajiro Kuroku's score I think is fantastic. So, what didn't you like about the films? What didn't I like? What were some What were some yeah. bad things about it? I mean, personally, for me, I would say the things that detract most from this film are are the pacing of the Japanese version some of the acting I'd say is a little bland I never really felt like I connected with um with uh Goro the 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 reporter and his love interest the sister of um that and that entire part of course got cut out of the American version well I, th- I think even in, even in the American version like when cuz that's like I said the first first movie I saw I I got what the what was going on between them. I I got that there was like sort of a little love story happening between uh, Naoko and um and Goro, but I just never really felt it. And it never really felt it, like it, it was that like strong. It seemed like they they put that in there like they felt they had to create some sort of love interest story and then they had to explain it to the audience. Yeah. In general, I I'd say that this this movie is sort of a very good effort like a lot of Godzilla films are they're kind of the best that Toho could do at the time and uh that sounds very critical uh on the surface but it's really it's actually a compliment in a sense because I just don't think they could have done a better job with the tools that they had and the, the maybe even the people that they had I don't think you know Akira Kurosawa was in really in line to direct a Godzilla film and so they did, you know, they they did with the director that they could have chosen. Um, Martin, tell me something you didn't like about the film. What was it? What would you say were the negative aspects of this, these two films? So the brother, who is a fisherman in the beginning of the movie, gets in awful good with the military. They got him pushing buttons for bombs. They got him running in helicopters, telling people where to go, what to do, running uh, all of this stuff, and it's like. Not bad, fisherman. Not bad. <laughs> that, that's some good civilian promotion work there that the Japanese military had going on. <laughs> I did notice that he was the one that pressed the red, big red button to yeah, blow the, up the yep. crater. I, I was, I was surprised by that. And uh, so, yeah, that that one was probably one of the biggest things. You know, there, there's a few little things here and there, um, and I think you've you've probably hit on them. Uh, I, th- the animatronic Godzilla really took away that I actually thought that was was uh, a pretty poor choice of and you know that was probably the very best they could do especially with that budget you know if if that was Jurassic Park and those were raptors you know I think they spent six million dollars just making some of the animatronic raptors that they did in those things so so a big difference in in that kind of thing it but for me you know 20 25 years later it's uh it's really it did really you find it jarring it. to like when they had it cutting right between the two yeah absolutely and i could and i could tell the difference between the two immediately there yeah. was no doubt in it 
Well, the even though the Cybot costs a lot of money to make, it was definitely um, definitely a big publicity device for for Toho at the time. Tiger, did you have anything that you want to talk about that's like that you didn't like about the film? There isn't really a lot to not like in this film. What about the Americanized version? The Americanized version, I didn't think it was that necessary to get rid of that many parts. I mean, getting 10 minutes of footage away from the film was kind of unnecessary. They had to take 10 minutes out of the overall length of the film, probably just for reasons like you would cut a film, any any film in America today. Like they're saying, no, this is too long. we got to shorten it up right. for audiences. But they had to take parts out of the Japanese film, more parts out of the Japanese film, in order to fit the American scenes in. And I don't know how long those American scenes were in total, but imagine if you have a 101-minute film and you have to trim that down to 91 minutes, but then you also have to add in, say, a half an hour of footage that was shot here in America. You've all, all of a sudden got to cut that Japanese film down to math stuff. Exactly. <laughs> there, there was just one more really quick, and since you, because I, I didn't mention anything about the the American one, and that would be the lieutenant that was in there. The that guy should have been cut out of there like an Alabama tick on a hot sunny day. I'll tell you what. <laughs> but he was full of clever things that the Americans could laugh at. <laughs> he said one thing in the beginning of the film about like. There's more something than a Hollywood romance. And I was just like, what yes. is he talking about? Yeah, that was actually in his in his briefing to his superior, which I really like that because the because his superior was already mad because he'd, of course, come off the golf range and because that's naturally got to be <laughs> where he's coming. Yeah, where yeah. he's coming from. But you would think that he would be, you know, extra annoyed that that he's getting this whimsical you know, review of, of what what is happening. You know, think he'd be like, you know, hey, cut to the chase here. Tell me what's happening. You can leave your clever little, you know, flavorful sayings out for uh, when you're telling the boys, but I need the facts. Uh, but that's not funny. No, so no. there's, I don't know if any of it was actually that funny. But, no. <laughs> uh, what else, uh, what else struck you as odd or just not so great about this film? Um. Well, you know, uh, we obviously we talked about the pacing and the suits and that and uh, touched on, you know, acting in a couple of different cases. But I I found um, I would say, you know, there was there was acting that was especially, you know, just flat to me. And that would be uh, the the sister. Um, what was her name again? You had it a second ago. Naoko. Naoko. She uh, yeah, she just, you know. It was it's nice that they you know they they built their animatronic Godzilla and then they also got themselves an animatronic actress <laughs> there for it because she was just I, she was she was so I mean there was moments where it seemed like she was just you know turning her entire body to the person that she was speaking to without blinking and it just it maybe it was the shoulder pads it was uh, in the jacket it was it was just it was so forced and flat and. I mean, it almost seemed like she was horrified to be on the screen. Yeah. You know, like maybe she was, maybe she worked for the catering company, and they were like, "You, we need a pretty girl. You, you'll do. Come, come in front of this, in front of this, the the camera here." Yeah. And because uh, she, I mean, she literally seemed mortified throughout a lot of it. And uh, and while Martin made some really good points about the the miniature work, I found some of the miniature vehicles a little, a little on the, uh, a little do you know on why? the fake. 
Do you know why that is? Please tell me why, Kyle. Uh, because in the original Godzilla film, uh, he was, I believe, 50 meters tall. Oh, yes. And in the 1980s Japan skyline, he would be... He wouldn't look so impressive, so they increased his meter, his uh, size to eighty meters. Right, and because they did that, they have to reduce the uh, the amount of they have to reduce the size of everything around the Godzilla suit actor, including the miniature work with the with the vehicles. Okay, so, and that's so stuff like the Mazer tank looks super impressive when it's at uh, the scale for the nineteen seventy films, but uh, here in nineteen eighty four with another 30 meters of Godzilla and, you know, having to shrink everything else down because the size of Japanese people don't, you know, don't grow that much. So <laughs> you gotta, and it would be interesting to have them put a really tall Japanese guy into a Godzilla suit someday. But, um, at, you know, at this point you're basically, again, Toho's got to do what they can with what they have. And they had to make smaller, uh, smaller miniature, model tanks and stuff well and and obviously that's that's you know it's easier to to do you know buildings since they're you know stationary and that the buildings are moving so it's more parts and finer detail and that but but it it still is a little you know it's a little distracting that yeah and it's too bad because i actually thought that the the maser tanks uh that they i thought they should have made a bigger deal about them because uh those are classic Toho mecha weapons and they they actually gave them a really cool design but they didn't look so great did they? Right. It, it almost seems to me like they could have maybe done some some different you know different styles for for shooting for that you know and 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 actually maybe had those at the more traditional scale so they could have looked a little more impressive and and just you know shot them in different you know, without, yeah. you know, maybe put Godzilla yeah. so sidebar, in the foreground, something. Si- sidebar regarding scale, they had the Godzilla suit. They also had the Cybot, which again was like, I think, 16 feet tall, but it was basically a giant bust of Godzilla. They made a one-to-one scale life-size Godzilla foot, which you probably saw in a couple of scenes. Have none of us really mentioned that yet? No, we haven't, and I... um. I re- I was reading about it, and I think I I think even in the eighties I recognized that foot. the Godzilla foot. Thanks for it. mentioning it, Justin. <laughs> I was waiting patiently. <laughs> Is that what you were going to say for your negative <laughs> well, aspect well, of the film? Well, that doc- stupid foot, Doctor Pepper, and the best acting in the film was the most worthless scene. So, which was the the bum inside the restaurant? Okay, so which version of that did you like better, the American I version like, of I the bum, liked or the, the... the American version better of that? But I, I but. But that's, you know, just because I thought it was a worthless scene anyway. So yeah. I, I'd rather hear the comedy than read the comedy. Yeah. <laughs> You're so lazy. <laughs> can, can, can we watch the Japanese version again, but dubbed? And then I'll tell you. Actually, so, there, is a, there is a dubbed Japanese version so of the international. So much reading. Oh, I was okay. too busy kaiju live tweeting. That, that can be difficult when you, kaiju, when you live tweet and you, and you have to read subtitles. It, it is difficult. I actually didn't tweet as much during the second viewing for some reason. I probably should have waited. Uh, so ne- do you have any other negative points to talk about or should we just move on to did, the... Did I mention product placement? Dr. Peppering? Dr. Peppering. Oh, and the foot. Yeah, the foot was pretty awful. So yeah, the foot, there was there were two different size feet. and It, it seemed lifeless. 
Yeah. Well, it was operated by a crane, so it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's not so easy to get a get it to act like God, a do CGI organic man. thing. God, they just needed a computer. Oh yeah, they have those uh, in Japan at the time. They just aren't <laughs> right? aren't built for graphics. <laughs> well, well, if the, if, okay. if they, if they Martin build, just said the computer's yeah. about as big as the foot. If they could build a Mecha Godzilla to fight Godzilla, why can't they build a computer yeah, yeah. to to animate it? Well, that wasn't uh, that wasn't Japan building the Mecha Godzilla. That was the aliens. And aliens have fancy aliens? fancy computers. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we talked a little bit about we talked about acting a little bit. Let's um, do. Does anybody have any points they want to bring up about like? the general directing or acting that we haven't already touched upon. Okay. Did, did I, did I mention the best acting was the most useless scene? You did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what about the, I mean, we talked about the special effects. Oh, what's up, Heather? I was just going to say that I, I did agree with Martin on the fact that as far as storyline and, 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 and the writing for it, that that was actually very solid for the movie that I, you know, I mean, I should say the Japanese, the Japanese version, the American one, you throw the sequences in and it kind of gets a little wibbly wobbly there, but it does, it does really carry itself from beginning to end in a much more straight, straight line than, than a lot yeah. of Godzilla movies do. I mean, yeah, there's, I there's this a, had definitive... a solid, it was a solid film as far as uh, plot and storyline go. I didn't, I didn't have any problem with the, the way that Godzilla is presented, I didn't have any problem with his return. Again, this is my first Godzilla movie ever, so I have a. This is where other people are like, "I love Megalon." You know, this movie, I find it difficult to find a lot of faults in it. I can clearly see some issues here and there, um, but I just thoroughly enjoy watching this every every time. Um, I I do think that uh, it was well directed. I know that uh, the initial the initial intent and purpose of this film was to sort of make Godzilla a serious sort of threat again and to bring him back into the spotlight. I think they did a good job of what they set out to do. Maybe not as well as they could have, uh, as someone could have, but I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah. So what, what, uh, what do you guys think audiences would enjoy the most out of this film? Well, it, I guess, uh, it, it would kind of be what audiences enjoy and, most Godzilla films is smashing and, you know, pre Michael Bay, Michael Bay explosions and, and, uh, and then, you know, crafty, crafty Japanese figuring out, uh, funky ways of bending science to get rid of a giant monster. I don't know. I, it's, it's, it seems like a very formulaic Godzilla movie in that way. So I, I think it, it, it satisfies, um, what people would want out of that kind of movie. Agreed. Heather, anything else to add about what you think people would like about this movie? This also, I guess, sort of is in, includes that. Would you show people this film who had never seen a Godzilla film before? I I would. I I think I would. I would show them. You know, even though I think for an American audience, the the pacing in the American film is is a lot easier to swallow. I mean, I I get the Japanese version that they were going for. Uh, you know, there's there's a certain drama to the pauses that I think they were they were going for, and the soundtrack certainly, you know, certainly uh, amplifies that. And uh, and but I I think that the I think that the Japanese version would be the version that I would 
that I would show to somebody for the first time. And I think that for all the reasons that Justin said, as far as, you know, it, it follows, it follows the formula, um, as well as, you know, the other things that we touched on with the, you know, with it actually having a really solid storyline. And, you know, I mean, the acting maybe isn't so great, but do you really have a lot of Academy Award, you know, performances performances coming out of Godzilla movies? Not, not usually. So I think, yeah, I think you've got a good, yeah, I think you've got a good, I think you've got a good cast and I, I think that it's a good one to, to introduce somebody to, you know, especially since it sort of is the relaunch in a sense of, of what Godzilla does and how he behaves. Uh, There wasn't enough aliens in this one for me to show it to someone as the first movie. I would, I'd go with, you know, the the Planet X people of Monster Zero or whatever that movie was. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. He actually got it right. I've been sitting here for the past couple of minutes trying to figure it out in my head. (laughs) That's why he suddenly needed the microphone. (laughs) Yeah, Justin is consistently messing, uh, mixing those two up there between Planet X and Monster Zero. It's Planet Zero and Monster X and, um, which is funny hilarious from a Godzilla nerd point of view because there is actually a monster X monster from Godzilla Final Wars. <laughs> How about you, Martin? Um, if I were to show one, I would show the Japanese version of it. I wouldn't show the American version. I I think the American version starts to go down that campy road that um, I, I don't necessarily always appreciate out of some of the other Godzillas. That's the best uh, part. Um, no, it is not the no. best part. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily. It not actually, really. it's it really does. I mean, in a sense, it really does hurt the the genre. And I know you're sort of joking around, Justin, but the it's a good point because the the actors who were inserted into this film were there. I mean, the that one guy, the lieutenant, was there specifically for comedic effect, even though it was ridiculous. I'm sure the people who were laughing in the audience were laughing at him, and not with him in a sense yeah he i mean his character made about as much sense as a nipple in a frying pan he he just <laughs> you are very good at that <laughs> i'm just trying to stick with his idiom on that whole okay. thing <laughs> no but I, I would so i would show the the japanese version i i think it's a it's a very good one and you know it it has its it definitely has its moments with you know a, a guy wrestling with a, a rubber giant sea flea and and uh um you know there's a but it's good it's uh, i i appreciate it because it is a little bit darker because it is more serious and i um i i just think that it's constructed well and i think it's a a good movie i i wouldn't show the english version i think the i think that that american version is um a little comical a little laughable even though it, it is paced better right on so cindy uh how about you is this a is this a movie that you consider to be friend worthy if they're not f- too familiar with the Godzilla franchise I I definitely think so and like Martin I would go with the Japanese version um, the nice thing with this film is it is solid it is one of the more serious ones so people who think Godzilla is just kid stuff just you know two guys in rubber suits rolling around and it has no solid story it has no message um, could be surprised pleasantly surprised by this film excellent all right so uh I think it's pretty obvious for me that I would have no problem showing this this film to somebody who'd never seen a Godzilla movie. I would I would even dare say that I would show them the American version, um, but uh, that's probably just me and my must my nostalgia kicking in. Um, 
final thoughts? Uh, anybody got any final thoughts they want to share on the film? And we already touched upon a whole lot about this movie. So, uh, wow, I was getting a lot of passes, but Heather's brave enough to pick up the microphone again. Uh, no, I overall, I, I, I really liked it. I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the pacing. I enjoyed the message. I enjoyed. I mean, I even enjoyed the, the pacing in the first one i mean it you know it is a little it is a little slow but like i said it's you know they they've added i think they've added some time in there for dramatic or just for the fact that you get to enjoy you know some different camera work and you get to see you know the the lovely scenery or the you know the lovely city that they constructed so i i don't mind those longer pauses and i think it's a really solid film i was really happy with it very cool very cool tiger um i want to say my favorite part in this film is okay. the homeless buffet person. That's what I call him. I, I noticed that you tweeted about that during the, during I, the show. I did. Very cool. Even though Justin <laughs> had his own thoughts about that. So, so 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 this was trying to be a serious movie. So the homeless buffet person was was my least favorite part from a from a serious film perspective, and I thought that was you know uh, a waste of celluloid. But you know, uh, with that in mind, I I enjoy. The the these was the seventies is the ones that I've seen before. I, I liked a little bit more camp, you know. Those I'm target audience for that. You know, I I like campy. I like bad. I I like silly. So uh, I like those movies. I would probably like like we said I said earlier. I'd probably show one of those movies as opposed to this one because this is not the Godzilla that I was first exposed to. I was first exposed to the other Godzilla, and so you know I for for this movie i did not like what tiger liked but you know i'll just tackle him and beat him up about that later okay <laughs> sounds good i i loved how this film was uh all right. i loved how this film uh brought godzilla back though and i think that uh i think that i'm not alone in that i mean obviously we we all had a good time here watching the films i i don't think i'll be doing a double feature like this anytime soon it was uh fun but it was a little taxing uh, we did get some submissions, which was awesome. Unless anybody has anything else to say, I think we're going to go ahead and hear what uh, hear what the listeners had to write down about this. Jamie wrote in to say that by a stroke of luck, he was able to procure a copy of Godzilla from 1985 in its original uncut Japanese version. Time has not been kind to this movie in comparison to other films. When it's merely Godzilla, it's really a touch boring waiting for him to arrive and then only to have him run around smashing stuff with no one to fight. Still, this movie has chills that still affect him even now. When the scientist, reporter, and assistant are testing the machine that attracts Godzilla's attention and he turns around, Jamie still shivers a little because there's really nothing keeping Godzilla from just stomping that building flat. Another chilling example is seeing Godzilla's point of view during his approach to the nuclear power plant. Josh also watched both the Japanese and U.S. versions and thinks both are very underrated films. The acting is pretty good, the special effects were well done, and the music score was chilling and creepy. The Godzilla suit was alright, but the face looked a little weird in certain shots. But he loved how they arranged the spines for the suit. Uh, he thought that the story was well-paced, although in the U.S. version, Steve Martin was totally not needed. He basically slowed the movie down and, and caused Josh to lose interest in the film. The choice to use the Cold War was brilliant, just to keep the nuclear message alive. Overall, he loved both films, but the Japanese version is far superior. 
Sean could write a book about this film, but will say only this. It is the movie that corrupted him for life and introduced him to Godzilla. Before that, he was fascinated with dinosaurs and such, but Godzilla completely overshadowed everything he even knew before that. Sean knows what he will dedicate his life to because of this one film. If he had to write his life story slash autobiography, it would go something like this. On December 25th, 1985, I saw Godzilla 1985 for the first time, and I have not been the same since. Uh, Godzilla 1985 is one of Robert's favorites. At the edge of his old neighborhood, there used to be a mom-and-pop video store that had this tape in its horror section. He would often rent the tape and watch it over and over, and in between rentals, Robert would listen to the cassette tape that he made by holding a recorder up to the TV speaker. He liked the dark look of the film and the sad music at the end as Godzilla hurls himself into the volcano. Watching it again, he noticed how this Godzilla is kind of googly-eyed, but Robert likes the way his lip curls when he roars, and for some reason, he really wants a Dr. Pepper. Jose noticed that some scenes in the American version were switched around from the Japanese version. He also found it very interesting on how the American version was trying to push the use of nuclear weapons, whereas the Japanese version insisted on using the Super X. In his opinion, he prefers the Super X, and even though they accidentally did use nuclear weapons anyhow. The look for Godzilla was done extremely well, and so was the plot. He really enjoyed both movies, but prefers the Japanese version. And there you have it, folks, a fantastic discussion for Godzilla 1985. Thanks to everybody who came out to see the film here at KaijuCast headquarters, and to those listeners who turned in their homework. Special thanks to everyone for the assist in tracking down the American version, especially Chris, who actually mailed me a DVD copied from his old VHS tape. KaijuCast shout-out achievement unlocked, sir. The next film on our list is the 1966 Return of Daimajin. Just to make sure there's no confusion, this is the second film in the trilogy, and the one that has the big lake. If you've seen that film, you'll know which one I'm talking about. If you haven't, it's not the original, and it's not the one with kids in it. So hopefully that will help some of you. And hopefully some of you will uh, write in, because it's a fantastic film. Before jumping into the news, I want to congratulate the following listeners who won the Bridge City Comics foot stomp issues that were signed by Phil Hester and Eric Powell. That would be Jeff W. of Ontario, Canada, Ron A. of Central Falls, Rhode Island, Ernest D. of Tallahassee, Florida, Steve S. of Tauntaun, England, and I don't care if I'm saying that wrong, but it's Tauntaun to me because I love Star Wars, uh, and Scott B. of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, I am zeroing in on a way to send out your comics, guys, so I'll send you an email when they're on their way. We are going to have some more con uh, contests later on this year, so make sure you keep an ear out for those. They're going to be very similar to the ones that uh, the last one here, where basically I was taking the first five people to send me an email. But now, on to the real news. United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right, so the biggest news this month or this uh, episode is that uh, Media Blasters made a pretty significant announcement for Godzilla fans, and this was taken directly from their official Media Blasters Facebook page. <clears throat> Talking about Godzilla, we can make it official now. 
we have Destroy All Monsters and Godzilla vs. Megalon. Destroy All Monsters is scheduled for October and uh, will be both Blu-ray and DVD releases. Do not know all the details about the extras yet. We'll post uh, with it later as they become available. Now for the funny part, we were not looking at Godzilla vs. Megalon until everyone said that we have it. So we asked, they said okay, and we picked it up. So regardless of the hullabaloo from April, it looks like kaiju fans can rejoice that we're going to get these two films that haven't been available on DVD for quite some time, except a lame version from uh, ADV Films of Destroy All Monsters. So hopefully those will be really fantastic. If you haven't ever seen any of Media Blaster's releases, they've produced a lot of Toho's older science fiction films like Atragon, Varan, and Matongo. Good stuff. Good stuff all around. So I'm very happy about that. The newest issue of Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters came out last week, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but one of my favorite kaiju is featured in this issue, and uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by how that happened. I'm not going to say what it was, I'm not going to say what creature it was, but it involves the girls from Eric Powell's cover, um, which I know a lot of people were kind of complaining about, and uh, let's just say I hope I hope you like it. I hope everybody likes this. I hope everybody likes the comic. Uh, also, big congrats to uh, Jeff Zorno, whose cover art is one of the three covers available for this issue. Jeff is a listener and will be providing cover art for at least the next three. Um, also, thanks to Josh on Facebook for letting me know that I got a great shout out in the letters column by Chris at IDW. That was really awesome to see, and um, I was grinning from ear to ear. Uh, don't forget that next month, will not only be the release of number four of the series, issue four, but also the first issue of the miniseries Godzilla, Gangsters and Goliaths, written by John Lehman and penciled, uh, actually drawn, I think he inked it too, Alberto Ponticelli. The street date for that is June 15th. So I have been talking to Mike Keller from the Monster Attack Team, which is a fanzine about all Japanese science fiction, uh, issue 8 is available now, and as they work on their distribution, keep an eye out for further issues of this magazine. If you're going to Acon in Dallas, G-Fest in Chicago, or hopefully they'll be at uh, San Diego Comic-Con and, of course, San Diego, California, make sure you check out their panels. Uh, I'll have a link into the show notes to their website. I'm also going to put a banner up on the side of the KaijuCast blog uh, directing people to their site. SciFiJapan.com has an article about and a trailer for a new Korean monster movie called Sector 7. You can't really tell much from the trailer, but it looks kind of, you know, like a scary giant monster film. And hopefully it turns out to be a worthy entry into a genre that doesn't get as much attention as we'd all hope. Check the show notes for a link to that article with the teaser trailer. Turner Classic Movies presents a summertime festival spotlighting some of the most sensational monsters to have graced those hard almost said hard drive to have graced those drive-in movie screens that once dotted the American landscape. No less than 15 of the films are TCM premieres, including four examples of the golden age of Japanese movie monsters. Godzilla King of the Monsters is the Americanized version of the 1954 film Gojira introducing the giant monster to U.S. audiences with redubbed and inserted scenes featuring Raymond Burr as a reporter who helps fight the menace. Also screening, Rodan, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, and Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. 
And uh, also they're showing The H-Man and The Manster, two other Toho films, or two other Japanese films. I'm not positive about The Manster. Um, anyway, I'm uh, another thing I'm not positive about is when they're showing these films. The, the website just says Thursdays in June, which is rapidly approaching, of course. So if you get Turner Classic Movies, check your schedules. P.S., uh, for the listeners out there, I would love to know if they're actually broadcasting these in HD because um, I don't have this channel and I would love to find somebody that does if they are. Let me know, please. Listener Jim Sharkey wrote in to let me know that on Sunday, June 5th, the Another Hole in the Head Film Festival will be showing Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, Giant Monsters All Out Attack at 3.20 p.m. in the Roxy Cinema Theater in San Francisco. If you are listening and can make it, this movie deserves to be seen on the big screen. It is truly one of my favorites. Uh, please check the show notes or a link to the film festival's website, and I think you can buy your tickets directly from there, too. Moving on to some local flavor, Geek Trivia continues at the McMinimins Kennedy School here in Portland. Uh, we always have a grand time there. If you haven't been and you're local, this new venue has a lot more seating available. It's pretty cool. And Geek Trivia is always a blast. I was just talking uh, to a friend of mine about Geek Trivia today, and I noted that I actually haven't missed a session in just about a year. Geek Trivia is put on by Things from Another World and hosted by Court and Fatboy. If you heard my last episode, you heard me uh, talk about how I like their podcast a lot. And they always have awesome prizes to give away to the winning teams of the night. Don't forget, this happens every other Tuesday. So if you're a local geek, you've got to come test your nerdy might against other Portland geeks. This uh, weekend, Friday, June 3rd, Court and Fatboy are presenting Superman 2 at the Baghdad Theater. This is part of their monthly midnight movies. And I'll be there with Martin, Heather, Justin, and Ian of the Going Last podcast. They're actually showing the Richard Donner cut, which is pretty cool because I've never actually seen that before. I'll have a link in the show notes to their website where you can get more information on that. And uh, if you go out and you see me there, make sure you say hi. In less than two weeks, Portland will play host to the Geek Olympathon on June 11th and 12th. During the weekend of the Geek Olympathon, member organizations of the Portland Geek Council of Commerce and Culture will host a diverse group of competitions and award tokens to winners. Events thus far include a costume contest, a Nintendo controller untangling contest, a Left for Dead Last Man Standing tournament at Backspace, and a comic book scramble hosted by Dark Horse Comics. While some contests will require multiple team members, many will only need one, which allows events to happen simultaneously across the city. The grand prize for the winning team is a trip for two to the 2011 San Diego Comic-Con. That includes airfare, hotel, and badges. Other prizes include a night's stay at the Jupiter Hotel, two club-level tickets to a Portland Timbers game, and a net-top PC from Old Town Computers. So get your team together now. A full schedule of events and the online form for team registration are available at the website pgc3.org slash Olympathon. I will, of course, have a link in the show notes to said event. Uh, We're going to go ahead and wrap up this installment of the Kaiju Cast. I want to thank everyone for writing in. We had a lot of fun here recording the episode, and I had a lot of fun reading your reviews. As always, if you found this podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, and want to go beyond the podcast itself, simply point your web browsers to kaijucast.com and check out the blog where you can see those handy links in the show notes, vote in the polls, which I think I need to update, and see the full list of Daikaiju discussions. 
The Kaiju Cast is on Facebook and Twitter, and a lot of activity happens on the Facebook page in between episodes. We do those Kaiju live tweets on Twitter, of course, so if you want to watch along with us and kind of see what we're saying when we do our Dead Kaiju discussions, make sure you check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes to that. Also, if you'd like to send me an email... Submit your thoughts, questions, and reviews for the next film in the Daikaiju discussion. Just send an email to controller at kaijucast.com. Don't forget that the next Daikaiju discussion film is Return of Daimajin. I'm going to leave you with the song from the end of Godzilla 1985, Sans Raymond Burr's monologue, which I actually considered transcribing and reading, but I just could not get his baritone timbre correct. So until the next episode, my friends... Yamata. That guy should have been cut out of there like an Alabama tick on a hot sunny day, I'll tell you what. (laughs)